0: Amen. Amen. So, last week we started a three-part series, which was called Look After Yourself. And uh, if you missed that, then you can find that um, on our… there's a link to the audio on our website. You can go to YouTube or to the Genesis Facebook page and see the video, or you could go to the front desk and you could get a CD. Um, I think that's all the ways, but you could. And if you want to catch up on that, if you were not here last Sunday. I talked about keeping a clear head, how to look after ourselves where our minds are concerned. The Bible has a great deal to say about that. Um, today, I want to talk about looking after ourselves in terms of staying alive. In, uh, in the winter of 2004, um, the winter of 2004, I walked out of my house to go to a meeting with a group of local pastors that morning and uh, as I walked out of the house, I slipped on some ice on the edge of our porch. And um, when you weigh around 350 pounds, um, we got a picture, I think, of me back in those days. I didn't fit in the shot, obviously. Um, when you weigh about 350 pounds, you, 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 sli- you slip on ice. You don't, like, fly gracefully through the air, you know, like the A ballerina from the Bolshoi. You kind of flay around all over the place, land with a bang, and then, as you all know, if you ever trip or fall in public, you don't check yourself out first. You check to see if anybody was watching. Right? That's what you do first up, right? So, first reaction is did anybody see that? And then, if, you know, and then, thankfully, nobody saw that. And then the next thing, the next thing I, I realized, I had a sharp pain in my knee. Um, I got into the car. My knee was really hurting. I went to my meeting. The, the, there was a searing pain. And uh, when I got home that night, I told Jill my knee was hurting. She said, go see a doctor. Uh, I don't do doctors. Um, I, I said, no, it'll be good. It'll be good. It'll be fine. It'll work out. And um, about five months later, when I was still in real pain, if I moved my knee in any particular direction, I, I went to see a doctor. He said, you've torn the meniscus. And so, I, I got some uh, surgery, just um, ambulatory surgery to repair the meniscus. I went home. Uh, I, I kind of, you know, for a few days, I was a little sore. I was good. I recovered. And then a couple of days after that, I had a searing pain in my chest. And um, We went to the hospital that Friday night and uh, late at night, and we went to the hospital and they said, uh, eventually they said, you've got a blood clot on your lung, which of course is a danger following surgery, particularly if you're carrying a lot of weight. And I said to the doctor, fine, can you give me some medication or something? Because I've got to do a wedding in the morning. And he said, I don't think you realize the seriousness, seriousness of this. He said, if this had gone to your brain or your heart, we wouldn't even be having this conversation. So they kept me in hospital for days, and uh, I didn't do hospitals either. Uh, You know, despite the fact that I was incredibly overweight, uh, I was reasonably healthy, and I really never went to see doctors much. I never had any issues at all. I didn't like being in hospital. After I'd been in hospital five days, they did some more tests and said, we think we misdiagnosed you. We can't see anything. And I said, that's great. I didn't tell him what I was really thinking, which was hundreds of people had been praying for me, and maybe God did something here. So, so I had the surgery, which I wasn't used to. I, I was in hospital with a blood clot, and then a couple of months after that, again, I was feeling really sick one Saturday afternoon. And um, I said to Jill, I'm going to go lay down, but I felt really, really bad, and then she came up to see me, and I was actually sitting on the bathroom floor because I was throwing up regularly, like you needed to know that, and she said, we need to go to the emergency room, and I said, no, no, I'm fine, and she left me, and about 15 minutes later, our son Jonathan, who's visiting with us today, uh, but lived locally then, he arrived, he said, Dad, we're going to the hospital, and I said, no, I'm good. He said, I'm not taking you for your sake, I'm taking you for mom's sake. So we go to the hospital, and they said, you've got to get your gallbladder out immediately. So the next day, they took out my gallbladder. I'm feeling really awful as they take me up to the ward that Saturday night. And as the doors of the elevator opened to take me into a room, there was a big sign. It said, eat less, move more. You talk about kicking somebody when they're down, (laughs) right? It's like, I felt like you know what? And, 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 and like here is it's like, leave me alone, will you? But, but I want to tell you this, when I, was, when I had had the, the, uh, the gallbladder removed, uh, and I'm laying in, in the hospital bed the next morning before they discharge me, and I'm thinking, I had the surgery on the knee, I had the blood clot on the lungs, I've had this gallbladder surgery. Is this how life's going to be? Is it finally all catching up with me? And I made a decision then, by then it was the February of 2005, I made a decision right then that I was very, very interested in not only staying alive, but enjoying the best quality of life that I possibly could. And I decided that I was going to do what I needed to do to change that. I was thinking, you know what, I'm 54 years old, is this my future? And I determined to do what I could to Change that. And I did. Now, I've been a lot lighter than I am standing here today. Trouble is, with weight, you can't hide it, right? But I'm nowhere near where I used to be. And I'm working on myself for this reason. Or let's, let me just read your Bible verse. Let's, let's come to this. 1 Corinthians 6 verse 19. Do you not know your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you? whom you have received from God. You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. I remember when I was a young Christian. When I was a young Christian, I was in a a pretty legalistic church setting. There were three things they told us I should never do as a Christian. I shouldn't smoke. I shouldn't drink. I shouldn't go to the movies. That was pretty clear. I was only 12 years old. Shouldn't smoke, shouldn't drink, and, and and you know I'd hear preachers, uh, you know I'd hear preachers talking about you know you shouldn't smoke because your body's the temple of the Holy Spirit, and and that's you know that's right. We have got to look after this body because this body what God's given us to achieve His purposes in. But nobody ever spoke about much else. Like there were certain things they'd never talk about, like other things you can do that harm your body. I, I every Christmas day, the Queen gives a Christmas televised address, the Queen's speech. Is at three o'clock British time every Christmas day, and this week, this year, she came. She came under a lot of criticism on social media. (laughs) Well, that's a novelty criticism on social media. Uh, She came under a lot of criticism because she gave her speech sitting in a room at the palace that had a gold piano in the background, and it's like really, you know, flaunting or, hello, she's the Queen, richest woman in the world. Well, maybe the Amazon guy's wife is no, but anyway, richest, <laughs> richest, richest woman in the r- richest woman in the world. Um, I'd expect her to have a little bit of splendor around her. We'd expect the Queen to be living in a nice place, right? And, and here's what the Bible's telling us here: the Holy Spirit lives in us, and you know what? We'd expect the Holy Spirit to live in a pretty good place. And, and, and we need to do our best that, you know, the place the Holy Spirit's living in is all that it possibly can be. The Holy Spirit's in you. In fact, this verse takes us a little bit further. Look, look at what it says there. It says, your bodies are temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God. Look at the next bit. You are not your own. You are not your own. Now, some folks might look at that and say, well, well, I appreciate that, you know, I want to serve God, I want to do this, but here's the deal. What we've got to serve God in is the bodies we were given. And if we don't look after the bodies we were given, we're not going to be able to serve God as thoroughly as God might intend for us. So the Bible says we've got to recognize the fact that our bodies are God's property. And then it goes on and says this. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. Honor God with your bodies. Let, let me paraphrase that into the Blackmore translation. Honor God. Honor God. Make God look good. Make God look good. That's honoring God, isn't it? Okay, Jill liked it. Okay, that's good. It's all that really matters. <laughs> Right? But, but honoring God with your body is, I want to make God look good. And, and the fact is, I want to live in a way, I want to behave in a way that I want to look after myself in a way that makes God look good. And when I, when I started to take my health and my future way more seriously, when I started focusing on staying alive and recognizing there's a quality to life as well as a quantity… I decided that as much as was within my power, I wanted to address it. And there were three things that I basically learned about staying alive and looking after ourselves. The first is this, I needed to move more. I needed to move more. Now, 1 Corinthians chapter 9 in verse 26, I don't know about you, But I'm running hard for the finish line. Now, let me finish this before some of you biblical purists say he wasn't talking about running, fool. No, okay, stay with me. I don't know about you, he says, I'm running hard for the finish line. I'm giving it everything I've got. Now, if I'm running hard for the finish line, if I want to achieve everything God's got for me, if I want to live this life and feel at the end of this life, I've done what God wanted me to do, I've got to be able to give it everything I've got. That's what it says there, right? And I can't give it everything I've got if I'm in a, st- if I'm in a position where my health is impeded by choices that I made. No sloppy living for me. I'm staying alert and in top condition. I'm not going to get caught napping, telling everyone else all about it, and then missing out myself. I I, I thoroughly dislike shopping, except if I'm out by myself. I, I don't like to be shopping with other people. Jill and I shop separately. We might go to the same store, but she goes her way, I go mine. It's worked well. It's kept us together. So so we've got that. But 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 in general, I don't like it. And and I read a terrific statement in in a book a couple of years ago. It's a book called Older Younger Next Year. It's an interesting book. They do a version for women as well. And and in that book it said it said this. It said, it said humans were not really made for shopping malls. It says we've got as much business in a shopping mall as a saber toothed tiger. If you think about it, going back years from what we know in history, I mean, the human body was not made to sit at a computer. It wasn't made to squeeze into a car. It wasn't meant to be easing back in a recliner, clicking a remote. The fact is the human body initially was made for activity. Because people went out in the morning and they hunted for their food, and they were out all day getting stuff and, and, and walking, running, whatever they were doing to provide for themselves. We don't do that. I do not leave the house every morning with my bow slung over my shoulder and said to Jill, I'll be back when I've caught dinner. We open the freezer and say, what should we have? It's another world. And then I get into the car, and then I sit behind a computer desk, and when the day's over, I go and, I go and kick back in the recliner. Well, actually, it's Joe's recliner, but she goes to bed earlier than I do, so when Joe goes to bed, I sit in the recliner. But that is not what we were built for. But because our lifestyle is that way, then most of us, to look after ourselves so we can achieve God's purposes... We need to create activity. That, that came difficult for me. Hadn't done it my whole life. I'm the kid who in high school, to get out of doing phys ed, there was only one way to get out of phys ed. There was the option of studying classical Greek. Do you know how desperate you've got to be to get out of phys ed to sign up for a classical Greek class? You know how many students wanted to be part of that classical Greek class? One, me. Nobody else was in it. Nobody else was taking it. But I took classical Greek so that I did not have to go and run around and and do cross-country runs and do different sports and different activities. I did classical Greek instead. It was torture. It was horrible. But I preferred that torment than the torment of being active. But there came a point when I realized that I needed to take care of myself, that I I decided I I really have got to start to make the effort to move more. 1 Timothy 4.8 says this, workouts in the gymnasium are useful, but a disciplined life in God is far more, is far more so, making you fit both, making you fit both today and forever. Paul says to Timothy, hey… Timothy was a young pastor. He said, hey, your workout stuff's good, but don't neglect the spiritual. Listen, your spiritual development's good, but don't neglect the physical. Because if we don't look after the physical, we're not going to be in the place to achieve all of God's purposes. We've got to look after ourselves. So some of you heard me share my story. I, 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 I took out a gym membership. I took out a gym membership and I went to the gym. I went to the gym and I got on a treadmill because that was the only thing I knew how to work. And I got on the treadmill and then I realized I didn't know how to make this thing work. Because last time I ever saw a treadmill, it had on and off. Now this had a whole panel of, of, of instruments. It was like flying the Concorde. But I managed to get the thing started. I walked one mile at a pace of three miles an hour, and uh, after 20 minutes, I got off and I went home. That's all I did. I went back the next day. I got on the treadmill three miles an hour. I walked for 20 minutes and I went home. I did that seven days a week, and I kept doing that. You know, the big mistake some people make is that. An, I appreciate that New Year, some of you think this way, the mistake some people make is they go all in and they end up being all out. It's like it's all or nothing. If I don't really get there and kill myself and make myself sweat like crazy and hurt, then it isn't worth it. It's way better to do something consistent over a long period of time than just do something that's outstanding but you can't face it the next day. So that's what I did. And I worked up from that over years. So, the longest distance I covered was two years ago when I did a half marathon. And I'm getting back into the shape to do another one. That's the plan. (laughs) Why? Moving more is one of the ways we stay healthier and is important for every one of us who says that, you know, I belong to God. I'm, I'm a child of God. I want to serve God's purposes. I can't serve God's purposes fully if I'm restricted by stuff that came on me because I didn't take care of me. Is that okay? I'm more nervous talking about this today than I've been about anything in months. Do you know that? You know I'm nervous. I don't want anybody to go out here feeling bad about themselves. I want you to go out here feeling better about yourself. So I don't want you to take this wrong. I want you to take this as an encouragement and and really look at this and say, you know what? I do want to stay alive. I not only want to stay alive, I want to have the best life I could possibly have. And you know what? I am the master of my destiny. And with God's help, I can be the best person I could be because I can not only be spiritually the strongest, but I can be the healthiest I can make myself. Staying alive means moving more. Now, now the big kicker, of course, is staying alive also means eating better. My Lord, I'm glad you had your bagel and donut before you came in here today. That's, that's, I'm really glad about that. No, it doesn't mean eating better. Eating better doesn't mean you stop eating everything you like. It means eating better. Eating better doesn't mean you cut out this, cut out that. Do you know in the Bible, when God gave Moses the Ten Commandments, He gave them a load of different instructions and laws. And do you know a lot of those had to do with guiding them as to what they should eat and what they should not eat? There's a ton of stuff in the Bible guiding us into what's the, going to be what would be the healthiest choices for us. In the book of Proverbs chapter 23, it says this. Proverbs 23:19 it says, "Oh, listen, dear child. Become wise. Point your life in the right direction. Don't drink too much wine and get drunk. Don't eat too much food and get fat." Drunks and gluttons will end up on skid row in a stupor and dressed in rags. Now, I've heard plenty of preachers talk about, don't drink too much and get drunk. I have never heard a preacher dare to say to a congregation, be careful how much food you eat. But I'll say it because the book says it. We've got to be careful about what we eat. You know, the danger again with that, I know some of you maybe started New Year's with, okay, I'm going to drop some weight. I started New Year's with, I'm going to drop some weight. But the danger is we we get into a kind of, I was 54 years old and really didn't know how to eat healthily. What I thought was healthy really I discovered some of those things weren't that healthy. I really did not know how to eat healthy. And I tried every diet under the sun. So you cut out this, and you cut out that, and you cut out the other thing. I'd done every single one. I remember doing the grapefruit and hard-boiled eggs diet. That's, you, know how, you, know how many, you know how long I lasted on that? Less than a day. <laughs> you know, it's hard enough doing a grapefruit and boil, hard-boiled eggs, but when you don't like the grapefruit, it's really difficult. We did one that was in the UK. It was big for a while. It was, it was called the F-Plan diet. You ate as much fiber in a day as you possibly could. So you ate plenty of beans and lentils and everything with fiber. And we realized afterwards F-Plan might have stood for something. Anyway, anyway, didn't, that was socially unacceptable to stay on that one for long. But, but then, you know, okay, I'm gonna, okay, you know what I'm going to do? It's New Year's. I'm going to cut out bread, you know. <laughs> it's like, how long are you to do that for? What I found I needed to do was to learn to eat better and eat more sensibly, but there's nothing I deny myself. Proverbs 10, 17, the road to life is a disciplined life. Ignore correction and you're lost for good. The road to life is a disciplined life. Who disciplines us? We've got to discipline ourselves. We've got to take control of ourselves, master of my faith. Take control of ourselves. And that means relearning some habits. I was I, I when I started to focus on myself, my health, my weight, I lost 133 pounds. And what happened? The way I did that was re-educating myself. Like I love seven eleven coffee. All right, you all got your favorites. I go to Starbucks when I've got gift cards. Um, Otherwise, I go to 7-Eleven. I go to 7-Eleven because I fix it myself. I don't go to Dunkin' Donuts because when I tell them how I want it, they've got no idea what I mean. And that's fair enough. Right? If I say really light, they're going to do really light by their standard, not necessarily mine. So I like to go to 7-Eleven. I fix my own coffee. And, and you know what? I, I, would, I would never, ever leave a 7-Eleven without a buttered roll in my hand and a coffee. I might have just left the house after breakfast, going to get some coffee on the way, and I got a buttered roll. Or I might have had lunch, and I'm stopping at 7-Eleven, coffee, buttered roll. It's like, why did God give you two hands? Coffee, buttered roll. (laughs) Right, that was really straightforward. And there were some simple things I had to unlearn. I realized God did give me two hands, but I could actually hold my cup with both of them, and it would be good. It's tough for it's tough for Christians as well when it comes to looking at being careful about what we eat because we've sworn off every other vice. What's left? All that's left is food. So church events are always food events and eating events and it becomes difficult. I remember one time we were sat in a diner one Sunday, and there was a family, a big family at a round table right beside us, and their orders came, and, and, and like they were eating stuff that I was looking at thinking, oh my Lord, I wish, and, and they got their plates. They're all stacked up, and then I loved it. I love when you're in a diner. They actually joined hands and bowed their heads, and they prayed. I thought, that's fantastic, so I listened, and the guy said, Lord, Bless this to our bodies, and may it be nourishing. And I looked at those grease-laden plates, (laughs) and I thought, I know Jesus turned five loaves and two fishes into enough to feed a multitude. I know He turned water into wine, but I'm not sure if He can take that heart attack on a plate and turn it into something that's nourishing for your bodies. If He could, I'm up for it. we got to look after ourselves. I, I read this uh, in the book I mentioned, Younger Next Year, and I read this statement, 70% of premature deaths are lifestyle-related and avoidable. Wow. Lifestyle-related and avoidable. Now, things come our way, health issues come our way, we've got no idea how, when, or why. And I appreciate that, and I'm I'm sure there are a number of folks here today that would be battling with that kind of issue. What I'm saying is I want to stave off any self-inflicted stuff because I enjoy my life. I thought about you. Do you? Yeah. Okay, I got it. Here's, here's a confession, right? I did cave and watch a bit of the NFL playoffs last weekend. Right? Some of you know it, I wasn't watching it all season. Right? I did cave and watch a bit of the playoffs. And Al Michaels was there, and he was commenting on one of the games, commentating on one of the games. And I'm looking at Al Michaels, thinking, "Hey, he was doing this when we first came to the States." And and I, I I Googled Al Michaels, and I realized in like two months' time he's going to be 75 years old. Now you know where that puts me at my stage of life. I think if he can do that when he's 75, I can well do this when I'm 75, right? Heck, heck, Mitch McConnell and Nancy Pelosi are 78 years old. If they can do that at 78, I can do this at 78, right? But I want to do everything I can to make sure I've got the health and the energy to do this at 78. So you know what? I take control of my own life. In First Corinthians 10 and verse 31, here's what Paul says. He says, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Everything I do should make God look good. Amen? So in every aspect of my life, there should be the reflection of of the God that I belong to, the God that I serve. So, so there's a couple of things there. So moving more is, is, is something that becomes a part of staying healthier. Eating better is another significant part of it. Now I'm going to say one, and a lot of you are going to say, yeah, I wish. But here's the third thing. Sleep well. Okay, now you parents with young children, you definitely said, I wish, right? And some of you who are perhaps more in my age range might have said, I wish. But it's proven that if we get the sleep we need, it affects us in a lot of different ways. In, in the book of Psalms, in Psalm 127 in verse 2, it says this, it's useless to rise early and go to bed late. We could pause there, right? It's useless to rise early and go to bed late and work your worried fingers to the bone. Don't you know he enjoys giving rest to those he loves? God's gift to us is rest. God's gift to us is rest. Proverbs 3 verse 24 you'll take afternoon naps without a worry. That's fantastic. I expect to hear our staff team quoting that to me this week. (laughs) You'll take afternoon naps without a worry. You'll enjoy a good night's sleep. That's God's promise to us. And the thing is, sometimes we just kind of shrug things off and say, well, I wish, if only, and maybe what we need to do is to look into that and say, if that's what God's promised me, let's take a really good look if there are any ways that I could possibly make that happen, because that's a part of staying alive. That's a part of staying healthy. In 2012, the University of Oxford in the UK did what they called the Great British Sleep Study. They studied 21,300 adults, and they found that people who do not get enough sleep, poor sleepers, were seven times more likely to feel helpless and five times more likely to feel alone. Now, if you're a poor sleeper, here's what I'm going to say. That I, I understand I, I, I used a word that kind of dated me last week when I talked about the clicker for the TV. Just be nice to old people, okay? So, so when I want use the word clicker, but I, I made this point last week. If you're not happy with where things are at in your life, you've got the remote. Is that good? Okay, just picked it into the 21st century. Is that good, Neil? All right, you've got the remote. And the fact is, if you're not getting the sleep you need, you've got the remote. You've got the control for your life. And, and you know what? It's, it's something maybe you need to look at because it's what God wants you and intends you to enjoy. There was a study done in Science Magazine and it calculated that the sleep, the sl- calculated that for the sleep-deprived, you've got to listen to this one, An extra hour of sleep can do more for their daily happiness than a $60,000 raise. I don't believe that. I'll stay awake and get the (laughs) $60,000. But no, apparently one extra hour of sleep made an incredible difference to their disposition and to their mindset. In Psalm 4 and verse 8, the psalmist says this. He says, at day's end, I'm ready for sound sleep. For you, God, have put my life back together. I love that just in its own setting. See that last phrase? How many of us today could say, this is, this is me. You, God, have put my life back together, right? So many of us here today, we can look at that and say, this is what God's done for me. And God has put our life together. God's put our life back together. God has given us eternal life. God has given us forgiveness. God has embraced us with his love. God has given us a hope for the future. God has put our lives back together. For some of us, God has restored relationships. God has made your home a happier place than it ever was before. God has given you purpose. God has given you hope. God has given you direction. God has put your life back together. That's one of the things that I love about this place, That's one of the things that God does here. Sunday after Sunday after Sunday, step by step by step by step, God puts people's lives back together. I love that. I love that. Up here, we do what we do, but through it all, and maybe even despite it all, sometimes God is at work and God puts people's lives back together. God, I'm ready for a sound sleep because you put my life back together. Enjoying rest is part of our staying healthy. And I, I just want to, yeah, I want to encourage you if that's an area where you are challenged, then hey, I've got a list of stuff here. You don't need me to give you that. You can Google the same as I did. And there are some things that suggest how we can make sure we're going to sleep better. Look after yourself. Look after yourself. Last week, we, we looked in Acts chapter 19 where Paul said to the leaders of the church at Ephesus, he said, here's what I want you to do. This was his farewell address to them. He said, I want you to look after yourselves and the flock God's made you overseers of. But the truth is, you can't function in any other way unless first up, you look after yourself. How do we look after ourselves? Well, you keep a clear head, we covered this last week, by managing stress and by affirming yourself, realizing who you are. How do you stay alive? Move more? Eat better? Sleep well? I love a story. I've shared it before. I love this story. Tommy Lasorda, who was the um, colorful manager of the LA Dodgers for years, right? Tommy Lasorda tells this story. He says, um, he says, One day I reached into my pocket for my pack of cigarettes and I went to take a cigarette out of the pack and I, I looked at that cigarette. And I said to that cigarette, who's stronger, you or me? And he said, I am. And he never smoked from that day on. He quit, there and then. He said, I was in a bar one night, and I had a drink, and as I went to drink out of the glass, I looked into that glass, and I said, who's stronger, you or me? And he said, I am. And that night, Tommy Lasorda stopped drinking. He said, sometime after that, he was in an Italian restaurant one night and he had a plate of linguine with clam sauce. Stop it. <laughs> and he looked at the linguine with clam sauce and he said, I said to that plate of food, who's stronger, you or me? And then he said, a little clam looked up and said, I am. And he says, you're dead right. Nobody's stronger than linguine with clam sauce. (laughs) Of course, it's a battle. Of course, it's a battle. It's a discipline. We heard that word this morning. It's a discipline, but it's also a duty. God gave us this life for a purpose. God's got plans for every one of us, and we want to achieve them. Acts 20 verse 24 says this, what matters most to me is to finish what God started. The job the master Jesus gave me of letting everyone I meet know all about this extravagant generosity of God. That's where I'm at. I want to finish what God started and, and and I look around here this Sunday morning at, at, at our church and I say you know what I don't know where this is going to end up but I just bless God for what God's doing and for what I see and you know something I want to finish the job God started the job the master gave me I want to keep on letting everyone I meet know about this incredibly extravagant generosity of God and one of the ways in which I need to make sure that I can do that is I've got to look out for me and whatever your role in your family, whatever your role in God's purposes, the fact is this. If we want to be able to achieve God's purposes, we got to stay alive. Look after yourself for your sake, for your loved one's sake, for our church's mission's sake, but for the sake of the Christ who loved us and gave himself for us. Amen. Let's pray.